Hello, welcome and thank you for joining us today on Friend of God, brought to you by Friendship Baptist Church in Sturgis, Mississippi. Today you will hear Dr. Jeremy McCory's teaching from Nehemiah chapter 5. May this sermon encourage you to make God and His Word the standard for all areas of your life. Let's join Dr. McCory as he teaches us about making commitments together and working together as one body to work for the glory of God. And that we will not give our daughters to the people of our land or take their daughters for our sons. As for the peoples of the land who bring wares of any grain or any grain on the Sabbath day to sell, we will not buy from them on the Sabbath or a holy day, and we will forego the crops of the seventh year and the exaction of every debt. We also placed ourselves under obligation to contribute yearly one-third of a shekel for the service of the house of our God. For the showbread, for the continual grain offering, for the continual burnt offering, the Sabbaths, the new moon, for the appointed times, for the holy things, and for the sin offerings to make atonement for Israel, and all the work of the house of the Lord our God. Likewise, we cast lots for the supply of wood among the priests, the Levites, and among the people that they might bring it into the house of God according to our fathers' households, at the fixed times annually to burn on the altar of our Lord, Lord our God, as it is written by the law, and that they might bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all the fruits of every tree to the house of the Lord annually, and bring to the house of our God the firstborn of our sons and of our cattle and the firstborn of our herds and our flocks, as it is written in the law, for the priests who are ministering in the house of our God. We will also bring the first of our dough, our contributions, the fruit of every tree, the new wine and the oil to the priest, to the chambers of the house of our God, and the tithe of our ground to the Levites, for the Levites are they who receive the tithes in all the rural towns. The priests, the sons of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive tithes, and the Levites shall bring up the tenth of the tithes to the house of our God, to the chambers of our storehouse. For the sons of Israel and the sons of Levi shall bring the contribution of the grain, the new wine, and the oil to the chambers. There are utensils of the sanctuary, the priests who are ministering, the gatekeepers, and the singers. Thus we will not neglect the house of our God. So, so there's very much promises in there. There's very much intentionality in behind that. But there's also, there's also that understanding that these are the things which they, had ought, they ought to have been doing, right? These are the actions which they should have been participating in all along. These are the things which they allocated to God for His use in the house of God. And by signing this document, by designating this, all of the people were coming together as one, again, as one working together to serve God, to set aside this this time, this giving, this, this intentionality behind all of these things. So they were, in a sense, were upholding what they were promising or had promised to God. You know, I often think about the things that you and I promise before God. And, and I wonder sometimes, do we hold up our end as we ought to? These people knew what it was like to be in in good graces with God, so to speak, or to be in the right standing with God. And they had that away from them for so long. Now coming back to 
the presence of God and their understanding in the city of Jerusalem, um, they, they now understand and want to put very much an emphasis on this, to keep the commands, to observe all the commands, to keep the ordinances and statutes, and they won't give their, their daughters, their sons, so forth. They, they're not participating in anything other cultures are doing. In other words, they are abstaining from the things which led them down the wrong path in the first place. Um, so, so in this, you begin to see that that what they are promising before God, they are intending to uphold. But I begin to ask the question of ourselves, as I said a minute ago, when you and I promise before God, do we hold up our end? There was an illustration given of this uh, about a dedication. It says, Now and again, baseball broadcasters will mention the fabulous career of Christy Mathewson, the amazing pitcher for the New York Giants at the turn of the century. He won 37 games in 1908. The remarkable man was admired on and off the field. Of all the stories attributed to him, the one that he appreciated the most concerns a highly contested game when Christie was a runner on third base. The manager called for a squeeze play, and Matthewson implemented the sign to the best of his ability. Dust enveloped home plate. The umpire could not be certain what had happened. We are told that an unprecedented conference was held between the umpires. It was agreed that Christie should make the decision. The fierce competitor walked around home plate, adjusting his trousers, dusting off his uniform. Finally, removing his cap, he announced, He got me. So later in the dressing room, his teammates asked him why he divulged the secret. Whereupon the athlete and consider, with considerable pride said, I am an elder in the Presbyterian church. See, it mattered for him that he was in right standing with God. It mattered for him that he told the truth wherever he was, that his character and his integrity was intact. It was very much integrated and connected to who he was. This gentleman was one of the baseball players that everybody will mention and will call back to at the turn of the century. Do we uphold in our place in life in the same way? You might say, well, looking at this room, there are various people of different backgrounds, of different working status, of, of, of different places in life, of different, you know, just, just so many diverse things that are going on. How can God use us? Well, where God has us in this given period of time in our lives is where we need to be living according to the Word of God and glorifying and exemplifying Him Matthewson found himself on a field. You and I might find ourselves in a classroom. You and I might find ourselves uh, in a doctor's office. We might find ourselves in various places. It's important that we live according to the promises of God. None more important than in our home, as we are leaders in our homes and our families and leave an impact with them. You know, we think about restarting this week and, and what that means as kids go back. But setting a good example of daily allegiance and reading the Bible and studying the Word of God and making that just as important as getting homework done, just as important as getting things accomplished, running from here and there, we emphasize the importance of a daily time with God. So important is this. So... What do we learn about these people here in this passage in chapter 10? 
we learned that people were back home and wanted to reconnect with the traditions of, of the religious traditions that they had by reaffirming their allegiance to God alone. Now, you and I know that society today is framed in such a way that they look to relatively define right and wrong in the value system. Why is that a problem when people relatively define what is right and wrong? That's forever changing, right? Relativity in that sense means that every one of us have a different version of right and wrong and nobody's right or wrong. That becomes a problem when you look at the biblical mandates. God clearly defines right and wrong. God clearly interjects in that and says, no, this is the way. This is the way you ought to live. This is the way you ought to hold practices with business. This is your character. This is your integrity. This is the fruit you ought to have in your life. This is not a debatable moment. In other words, it doesn't matter what we all think is right or wrong. It matters what God says is right and wrong. And I find we live in that kind of relative society to where everybody's kind of like, well, this sounds almost okay. And some things that we might hear from others might sound almost biblical right had anybody ever heard something that sounded almost biblical yet wasn't biblical anybody ever heard those things so if we if if we are not anchored in God's word if we are not allowing for it to be the most important source that we come to then we might invest ourselves in what what is right and what is wrong and what people think about that and that is a very dangerous place that this world has found itself within And it changes sometimes people by day-to-day or group-to-group or people-group-to-people-group. But you and I understand the stark difference is where Christians solely rely or should solely be reliant on the Word of God for our morals, for our values, for those things that are limited but not limited to right and wrong. You know, I think about it like this, that it's not about feelings or what is a general consensus. It's about whether or not we designate the Word of God as authoritative in our lives. When something is authoritative in our lives, it is the chief means that we go to for our wisdom, for our understanding of how to live and how to respond to the Word around us. You and I must look at the Word of God as authoritative in our lives. This is where we go first. We go to God first. We have an issue. We have a concern. We have a a temptation. We have a desire. We have a tough time in our life. We go to God first. Because as believers in Christ, we are a new creation. We've been bought with a price. And we have given our lives to God. So when we give our lives to God, He should be our first choice. And we should seek His kingdom first. And we should keep His commandments first. And we should do all the things that we, are, we possibly can to give reverence to Him in our lives. Because we know that God provided all the things in our lives that we have and that have been given to us. And we know that the Bible clearly defines right and wrong. And there's no gray area. I want you to understand that. That the, the Bible says that, that there is a right and there is a wrong, and the Bible is the one that defines that too. You and I don't get to say, well, that sounds good, maybe that, maybe not that, maybe this. The Bible says what it intends to say, and it says it 
just like it needs to be said. So within our lives, we must look, as it, look at it as being authoritative and be able to make application. Secondly, we must be firmly committed, uh, as they were, to choose to live in obedience and not compromise. By making a declaration, the people said, these are our intentions, these are our commitments, these are what we are going to make everything in our life about, and we're not going to be willing to compromise. How many of us compromise what we ought not compromise? Do you understand what I'm saying? In other words, if we are investing ourselves in the things of God, if we are putting our lives and our focus on doing the will of God, and if our hearts and minds are, are, are directed in that way, then why are we compromising the thing which is the most important in my life, in your life? So we must not compromise. And this is what the people are saying. They're saying, look at what we've done wrong in the past and how we've walked astray in the past. With every bit of intention and with God's power, we plan not to do that in the future. And we plan to live according to what we should have lived according to all along. See, signing this document was more binding. And, I, and I, it begins to lead in me into asking this question. What binds you and I to live according to the Bible? What keeps us in the mindset that we need to go to God first and foremost, that we need to pursue after the words and the wisdom in Scripture that we might live according to what God thinks and what God says is right and wrong and He says is the way we should go. How are we bound in that way in our own lives? And you've got to make intentional steps to do that. You can't just, can't just say, well, sometimes, almost... Or I'm, I might if I get around or think about it. But we've got to say, in my house, the Bible is the authoritative word. We've got to say, in my life, the Bible is the word that I go to, the direction I long for, and I want to be in right standing with Him, and I want to take my value system from the word, and I want to live according to God, and I don't want to compromise for the world around me. Y'all, there's enough of of those Christians that live like the world and then come to church. We need to come to church and live like the people of God in this world. And there should be a stark difference in how you live your life versus someone that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, shouldn't it? There should be a great difference. It shouldn't be a, well, they go to church and that's the only difference. It should be, look at how they live their life, respond to life's difficulties. Look how they encounter the things that I encounter, yet seem to have a different countenance about them. They trust in a, in a God who provides no matter what they're going through. Their faith is unwavering. And so we must be committed to live in that means of obedience in our lives without compromise binding ourselves to what is the Word of God. Thirdly, we must think about it like this, that the applause of mankind is incomparable to being in right standing with God. Then we begin to ask the question of what is our motivation? What are our motivations in life? Are we people pleasers? There's a lot of us that are people pleasers. I don't like people to be mad at me. 
I don't know about you. Does anybody like people to be mad at them? You just love it? You just say, yes, they're mad at me. I don't like people to be mad at me. And I don't like people to be upset with me. But do I operate for the applause of, of mankind or do I operate for the applause of God? Because at some point, if I'm living for man, I'm not living for God, am I? Right? If you and I are, are living for others' approval, then we're not living for God's approval. Because you and I must think about it kind of in this vein. We must think about it and understand it, that we can't fully please God and still try to please people. And, and it goes back to the fact that I would rather be in right standing with God than anything else. But I do ask you this, what's your motivation when you come? What's your motivation? And it matters because it matters how you live in this world. If your motivation is to please God, then that's going to be the driving force behind everything that you do. That's going to guide and be a catalyst behind you and what you do. That's going to envelop how you live and how you work and how you parent and how you spend your money and how you give and how you serve if you are looking to be in right standing with God. And, and I, I've ran across people in my life, and you might look at them and say, of worldly items, they don't have much. But the generosity of that individual is far beyond the monetary means they have. They operate with so much joy because they understand about being right with God. So fourthly, God blesses those who are totally given to his will. See, he promised his promises ring true in my in my mind like a beacon of light in the darkest of nights. How many of you have ever been in pitch dark? You understand what it's like, right? When you're in pitch dark, you can't really see in front of you, can you? You almost can't see your hands if they're this close. If you've ever been in one of those dark dark nights, then you understand that it's hard to see absent of light in our lives it's hard to to see what's around us what's in front of us what's coming at us what's ahead of us all of those things in our life is hard to see but i believe that there are many that are living in darkness every single day spiritually they don't know right from wrong because they've never encountered Jesus Christ. They live in a world where everybody tells them what they should or shouldn't believe and how they should do, and if they don't know it, they Google it. And the Internet tells them what they ought to do. But where are we going to draw the line and say, you and I are meant to be a spark that becomes a light so the whole world is able to see him in us. See, God uses us in great and innumerable ways. And I think one of the things that we are bad at is saying, or diminishing ourselves and saying, well, God certainly couldn't use me. Or I'm not astute enough. I don't know all the Bible. I don't know all the verses or the words to this or that or the other. I'm not as, but I'm telling you, God can use anyone, anytime, anywhere that gives themselves to be used by God. I've seen someone who barely knew 
what it meant to be saved, that God used them to reach another person. You say, well, how can that be? You ever see someone get saved and not be excited about what happened? I've seen people get so excited, they will tell everybody. They'll go to the store and fill up with gas and walk inside and tell somebody. They wouldn't normally just say that. They'll go tell anybody and everybody because their, their faith is so new and that fire is in them. You and I ought to have that same fire about us in order that we are willing to do whatever it takes to be a, be a light in the darkness for the world around us to see Christ. And so we must do those kind of things. Fifth, uh, we, must, we are desperate in need of spiritual revival, I believe, that shakes us to our core. How many of us can get comfortable at times? We can get comfortable at times, right? We can get comfortable in our faith. We can get comfortable in the way that we do things. We can do things in a certain way for so long that we just about can go on autopilot, can't we? We just about can just do it without thinking. You know, when I was growing up... I, I just about could drive to school without thinking about it because I knew the route so much that I would just go to school that way. We shouldn't be on autopilot. We shouldn't do things in that way in our lives as far as Christ goes. The spiritual revival that we need, we need it to shake us from our comfortability, but to shake us to the depths of our soul. And in several weeks, we have an opportunity for revival in our lives. And what does that mean? You know, I heard a great example about this years ago in preparing for revival. And, uh, and it's very much still rings true today. That we need to go home, we need to go into our, our prayer closets, that we need to draw a circle around us with chalk and say, God, begin a revival and let it start in me. Because we begin to understand that when our hearts are right, and when the people turn to Him, that He will heal their land. So when we think about revival here at the church, some of you might think about it like this. We need a recharging of our batteries, so to speak. We need to be recharged. Maybe you have just come and been, or you've, you've done things in a certain way for so long that it just becomes something you do. And you need that fire in you again. You need to re-recall why you believe and how you live and, and why it's so important that we have conversations with people that are uncomfortable. Having a conversation about Jesus Christ with somebody is important. It might be uncomfortable for them. It might be uncomfortable for you. You might not just be so well-versed at everything. But if God is lending that to your heart and mind at that moment, that's what He wants you to do. So recharging our batteries might be one thing that comes out of spiritual revival. Second thing that might come out of spiritual revival is sharing a light with another person that might transform them into a lighthouse of hope that leads one into salvation within a life of treacherous waves and rocks. See, this world around us is unrelenting, isn't it? You face things every day, and everyone faces a lot of things. And we deal with difficulties, setbacks, sicknesses, temptations, desires, and things just as the world deals with those things. But the difference maker in our lives is where our light comes from. As you and I must understand, 
the world around us is within this turmoil of darkness. And we have to let His light shine in us. And we can be a catalyst with the power to influence change within others for the glory of God. You might say, well, Pastor, I can't do what you can do. But the Bible says what? That each one of us have a gift, don't we? We tell us have an ability. We have something that we can do individually that influences everyone corporately. And if we're all together in the body of Christ as a unified body, then we are reaching everyone for the cause of Christ. I find it interesting when they understand community in Scripture. It said time and again, we've said it here, that they didn't, when they were giving to one another based on the needs and what they had, that there was not one in need. I would love for us to get to a point where we are so passionate about telling others and serving others and, and, and doing that, that our needs just become something on the back burner. That we begin to love others and let His light shine in us for His glory and His alone. As we finish this evening, and maybe some of the kids can, can tell me on this, how often do you see someone write, your na- write a name on an item? Maybe you get a toy or, or something, a shirt or something, you send kids to school, you want to make sure it makes it back home. Or if you have a brand spanking new toy, maybe you got at uh, RAs or GAs or something, and you got something, you want to make sure it's yours, you write your name on it, right? So that it doesn't get lost, doesn't get confused with somebody else's. It has an item on it. It signifies that it belongs to a certain person and implies that it's important to them. You and I wouldn't put our name on something that wasn't important to us, would we? Right? The same thing goes. You and I have the signature of Christ within us when we embrace Him and His salvation, which God then affords us to look deep within us and see His Son's name. That's how He can identify us. See, God identifies us because He sees Christ when He sees us. We understand that His name is written all over us if we are Christians and believers. And so we, having the signature of Christ with us, we must let that bleed off into the lives of those around us. In other words, how does Christ use you to impact and influence others' lives intentionally? How was God going to use these people in, in, in chapter 10 of Nehemiah, and how can God use us through Jesus Christ to impact and influence those around us with intentionality? How can He do that? How can He use you? And will you let him do so? We think about the significance of this signed document and what it meant before God as they set that aside. But I have to think that in our own lives, there are some things we need to set aside. That God might reign supreme in us. That he might do his best within this upcoming revival. That God might change our hearts yet again. And maybe you're here and you say, you know what? I am kind of comfortable in my faith and I need God to do something, then I pray that you'll be praying to that end, 
Or maybe you're here and you can rattle off in your mind a, a number of people that need to know Jesus Christ. And you say, you know what, I'm going to make it my efforts and my investment to go and, and make sure they're here for the revival. Or maybe you say, you know what, I just have a heart for something and, and, and God's called me to do it, yet I haven't fully engaged in that. Maybe that's something that you need to stop wrestling with God and say, God, I want to do what all I can for your glory. Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, we come this evening. God, we know that all things are for your good, God. You have given us so many blessings. God, you have given us so many opportunities. You have presented us with so many things in our lives, God. Yet we have a tendency to go astray. And God, the, the fortunate thing for us is, God, you don't leave us in that predicament, God. God, you help and restore us, God. You say, if my people would turn from their wickedness and follow me, that I will heal their land. Heavenly Father, we see in Nehemiah that that's your intentions, and we see the people are making that promise to you. God, I pray here and now, God, that that is our intention, that if we turn our hearts to you, God, if we say, God, just find within me anything that ought not be there, God, and help me to extract that from my life that you might have all of me, God, God, we want more of you, God. God, we want less of us, God. God, we want your message to speak forth in us in such a transparent way that the world around us that is in darkness might find the light that you provide. Heavenly Father, we live in a world where many people feel like they define right and wrong in so many different ways. But Heavenly Father, we look at your word as authoritative and true. So, God, I pray that we base our decisions, our life, on your word, God. Heavenly Father, God, I pray that you forgive those of us who compromise, God, so often, God. You help us chart a course to get back in line with you, that we might live a righteous life, pleasing to you and you alone. Father God, I pray as we go in this time of invitation, God, you work in us that we might be our best for you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining the Friendship Family today. We know that your time is the most valuable item you have, and we are enormously grateful that you chose to share it with us. If you would like to know more about Friendship Baptist Church, please visit our website, friendshipsturges.com, or our Facebook page at facebook.com slash fbcms. Both can be found in the show notes below. If you would leave a rating or review for our new podcast, we would be very appreciative. And if you would share it with others, we would be eternally grateful. We pray that you have a God-filled day. And remember, love God, love people, and reach the world. Have a good day.